Hello, citizens of the Imperium, and welcome back to another episode of Horus Hour. It's Siege Season, it's Lost in the Dam Part 2. Things are heating up. With me, as always, Venerable Sigilite Varela. Um, back to Siege Season. You have now finished the Lost in the Damned. Yes, sir. What did you make of it? Well, um, I'm going to go back to my roots. I'm going to say pretty good. <laughs> pretty good? Because yeah, I good. would say great. I would say this book's Whoa. great. All right, all right. Big words, big words. Well, this is like, especially sort of the final act. You know, I can't believe. Hang on. You're a White Scars fan and you're saying this is pretty good. Well, there, there are. are you, this few, book is pretty good, and you're a White Scars fan. There I are mean. A, a few great sections. Okay, there are a few great sections. You know, you feel that like wobbling? Overall. Yeah, it's like, your head because it okay. needed it. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not strong here, but this is this is, in my opinion, is a great book. You think it's pretty good? Yeah. Um, there's no spoiler section anymore. Let's get straight into sort of the shorthand of it. We've got. Uh, in this part of the book, from where we left off, we have Mortarian returning to the fold, and he's got very smelly since the last time the other traitors saw him, um, which had some comic moments. We had um, the advance of the Lost and the Damned upon the trench lines outside the palace. We had the sally forth of the White Scars off of the freaking wall on jet bikes. Um, we had the arrival of a Death Guard on Terror. We had Blood Angels fighting Night Lords. And we had probably the biggest bozo moment of the entire <laughs> book series so far. I, yep. And given you haven't read any of the other Siege books, I'm surprised. Because in my when I read this, I, this set the standard for a, for a uh, to be fair, only one more book. And then there was a really great one. Uh, but this really blew my socks off we have we have dog fights you know we have titan we have titans we have everything in this book we have primarchs clapping together clapping some some space marines left and right you know yeah exactly it's all about <laughs> um we had a dude surfing a pile of skulls uh and his giant face part. in the sky oh i remember that part <laughs> is that not in this book I don't. I don't remember the the dude surfing a pile of skulls. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, okay. I think you're making that up. I think I am making that up. That was just a test to see if you actually uh, read the book. Okay. 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 Um. Anyway, we had um. Night lords with weird feet. <laughs> we had it all in this book. So give me break it down a little bit more for me. What did you? What parts did you really like, aside from the obvious? What you know, was did this book? I feel like this book really picked up in the second half. Did you feel the same? That it sort of, I felt it got a lot stronger in the second half, and I think a lot of the payoffs were written and the ideas were there. And then it was the first half of the book was just getting everything in place a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The first part was definitely just a setup for the second part. Like we got the uh, pilot. Going like, oh yeah, this is like the most advanced fighter jet ever, which is uh, what I was telling you, and you were like, oh, you might want to hold your horses on that. And well, th she goes up against a couple of Xiphons, still manages to down one. I think it was a maneuver kill, which, you know, goddamn, you managed to maneuver kill a Space Marine? That's baller. 
uh, and then she immediately gets erased by like three more Xiphons that show up out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, that was a pretty cool moment. Oh, watching her, her wingman as well literally just do a gun run. He gets the Xiphon off her ass and he's like, yeah, I just got the Xiphon off your... And just dies instantly. <laughs> yeah, like I think some of her squadron as well just get eviscerated by uh, incoming like orbital rounds because they go beyond... They go out over the Aegis, don't they? So obviously then they're not safe from the orbital bombardments. Oh yeah, that happens during the first part as well. Yeah. Like, on the first sally out, there's a land strike and one of them doesn't manage to dodge it and just gets deleted. Yeah. Yeah, so... I, I And I remember reading that part and it just being like, wow, this is... Guy Haley here is, is setting the tone of the siege that uh, do not get attached to anyone. Basically, yeah. and get ready to part with any of the characters you liked before, um, except Katsuhiro. Katsuhiro is is my boy. And oh, is Katsuhiro going all the way? Do you think? Uh, no, <laughs> but I can hope. <laughs> you made it through one book. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah, true. I also want to circle back to how um, I said we said that like oh the first part really sets up everything for the second part. Which just makes it sound like we don't know how books work. Um, <laughs> um, ob- What's obviously, this Act One, Act Two, Act Three kind of thing. I don't know yeah. what that is. They've introduced characters. What I found really interesting with the book is they introduced characters, built on their story, <laughs> and then had something happen at the end. Um, Ain't no way. What, what I mean to say is that there was a lot of um, a lot of. We had the exposition chapter in Part One, didn't we? Where we like got this breakdown of where all the Primarchs were and what the Legions were up to and who was where, you know, that went on for quite a bit and Vulcan's alive um, and yeah, stuff. it was a little bit extra world building, I guess, you know? Like yeah. placing people in places, you know, placing places in places. Oh, that's my phone. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I hope your phone's all right. Um, yeah, something that maybe could have, like, if you're going to do that, it's got to be in book one. I don't think it needs coming in book two. Solar War would have been the perfect place. Start a Solar War, have a meeting of the Primarchs right at the start, run it, break it down for everyone. Yeah, what's about to, be, to happen? To be fair, they did that. They did that, but it was like for the solar system, and now in the second one, since it's on Terra, now they're doing it for Terra itself. I mean, I think it makes sense. Okay, all right. I don't think we've got too many more now. Those three brothers are not actually. I don't think going to spend much more time in rooms together. Um, because there's fighting to be doing. So, what I want to get from you straight away before we go into Thursday ratings and before we go into the plot is I'm going to need your rating to the nearest decimal place, please. Nearest decimal place, okay. Uh, ooh, th- this oh, well, fun. just chuck out many as you want. I, I, we've got, <laughs> we're, we're beyond the pale with the decimal places now. It, if you want to put 20 down, you put 20 down. and No one's counting. Honestly, I could only count up to 7 anyways, but I'm going to say it's a 8.25397.15 out of 10. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be pretty close to you there. I'm going to go an 8.4. 7... Seven seven, eight nine three. Okay, uh, okay. respectable is, is where we're at. So we're both there. I feel yeah, 
I think the second half has probably earned it uh, a jump from the sevens to the eights for me um, because we got a lot of it's not fan service but meeting of characters and just seeing people really go to town isn't it yeah so without further ado let's get into the Thursday ratings you've got a humble one from discord um, whereas I've got a few on twitter so you're welcome to share would you like to do the discord one first uh yeah sure I'd be glad to. Let me just open it up real quick. Uh, here we go. I'm definitely prepared for these recordings, gents. All right. So in Discord, we have Real Snice saying, The Lost and the Damned is one that when reading it the first time, I enjoyed but wasn't overly impressed. A solid 4 out of 5, which is an 8 out of 10. Uh, after the Great Solar War and a linking book to the Greater Siege. After a second read, I changed that thought and think it really stands out from much of the larger Horus Heresy series. Ralderon is excellent, and my favorite Night Lord, who made me love how bad he was as a Marine, got exactly what he deserved. Katsuhiro is a great character, and I am always pleased when I get to his POV. 4.57532101234512345 out of 5. A very respectable decimal place there. Thank you, Real Snice. Uh, and yeah, let's get to the Twitter ones. <laughs> I think that decimal place usage there has put us to shame a little bit, but it's out of five, not ten. So there's a lot more there's a lot more leeway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go with uh, our friends over at the Heresy Lodge have said nine. Best one we've read thus far. That's crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't I don't wanna start a um hor- sort of Horace Heresy podcast beef, which is, you know, <laughs> definitely some of the most dangerous beef out there. But I've seen these guys are, are on mortis as we speak, and uh, I I find that uh, is believable. But it, I, I'm very surprised uh, and almost impressed that they've read Saturnine and that hasn't become their favourite siege book. Um, I'll do uh, by the blood of Sanguinius as well, and then I'll let Varela do a couple. So by the blood of Sanguinius says nine point one three five, Raldoron humbling the painted Count Scryvok leading to almost 4,000 years of agony in the warp was particularly satisfying. Visualizing Ralderon saying, now get off my wall, as he dispatches the Count, was badass. One of the best quotes in the siege. Yeah, I mean, we, we'll go and clown on Scryvok later in the in this episode. <laughs> Don't you worry. But now you can finally see where my Discord bio's from, Varela. I've been, oh, yeah. I've, I've had that one for a while. And, get off uh, my wall, isn't get it? Get off my wall. Um, my favorite line in the siege so far. Um, so, uh, Varela, do you want to take a couple and I, I'll pick one up at the end? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take two. Uh, so we got the Urge Artifact saying 8.5, very good, but need to save room for the 9s and 10s coming up later, which, according to what Singa said, seems like a reasonable thing to do. <laughs> uh, and then we also have Sam Crawley with Love Me Some Katsuhiro Time, completely agree, love that guy. I'm glad Perpetual and Killer Storylines. Oh, wait, I'm glad. Uh, parentheses, perpetual and killer storylines aside, close parentheses, that they kept coming back to him to illustrate the human element of the actual fighting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, I, I love me some human characters. I've always said that, you know. Uh, no score there, Vavrila. So why don't you estimate what Sam's score would be? Oh, oh well, considering. Yeah, why don't you just some... speak for one of our audience members? Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. Considering he says, love me some Katsuhiro time, and the book is like, I'll say, 
Uh, it's, it's about 40%. Yeah, 40% Katsuhiro. Uh, I'm going to say that he likes the other characters so, somewhat. I'm going to say he's giving it a 7.45891. Uh, out of 10. That's, nice. that's the score I think he's giving it. Good decimal place usage as well. Yeah, Sam, yeah, if, yeah. if that is way off, then let us know and <laughs> we'll revise that in the next episode. And finally, Matt, br- Matt brings it home with a very strong 8.5. Some proper big moments that give you the feels and the F years. Um, absolutely. I think we're, we're sitting in the majority on this one, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I eight, think we're winning. Somewhere between 8 and 9. Is the yeah. average probably? We're probably a little bit on the low side, to be honest. Um, oh, did you do Madman's? You didn't do Madman's. I did not do Madman's. Madman's. All right, this is probably going to throw us down into the bottom of the average, to be honest, because Madman oh. says so. I only so far completed this and the Solar War, so we're just up to um, to this book. Hopefully, you'll be with us for First Wall as well. But in general, out of all book experiences in my life. A solid 9.8 out of 10. Absolutely glorious. Madman, if you like this one, wait until later in the series, mate. I I, I don't think I'll see it. I'm not going to see another 9. Uh, like, I'm not going to see an 8 from you again. Um, so we're definitely, I would say, down in, you know, not almost high 8s, 9s. It's like 8, 8, 8, 8, 9 is probably the average here, Varela. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you chuck us in and it goes down to about 8, 7. So, um, that's only because I think I'm personally saving myself. I don't know about you. I'm just giving it a completely objective, no analysis, you know, no subjectivity, no biases at all. That's just how it is, bro. When I get to Warhawk, I'm sure I'll be completely objective and not give it a 10 out of 10 automatically. Oh, really? Because I might have to rewrite some stuff then. (laughs) I made some notes already for that episode. I might have to change it up. So, brother, you've given this book a 10 out of 10. <laughs> okay. Well, with that all being said, thank you so much for your participation, guys. Um, you can always, we're always looking forward to reading the Thursday ratings and seeing what people make of it and how it compares to our opinions. Without further ado, let's get into the plot of The Lost and the Damned, at least for second half. The Return of the Stinky Boy, Varela. The Return of the Stinky Boy, indeed. God, have you ever have you ever had anyone that walks into a room and people just start dropping like flies? Um, fortunately, not. I I I more feel bad for someone if that happened. The the person making everyone drop like flies. Yeah. Um, like, I've never seen a fly drop either, actually. Oh really? I, I've, I've never heard just stories, seen a, you know, legends. I've never just seen a fly just be like, "Oh my god, the smell in here is so bad," and just real nosedive. Uh, no, that's not that's not happened to me either. Um, although in the UK, it is a famous fact. You want fam- or a well known fact? If you want a well known UK fact, but if you in the summer leave your window open for anything longer than 3.8 seconds, a fly will find a way into it. Um, oh. And then you just have a fly really annoyingly buzz around your room. Uh, I think that's just a fact everywhere flies are uh, around. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. That's true. But I, mine went up a whole new level this morning uh, in my bathroom. A wasp flew in. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> and so I immediately surrendered the room to him. I was like... <laughs> 
So this that must be how it feels to like for Matarin to walk in a room because everyone's immediately like nope, and they just <laughs> they just leave if they could. But a lot of them sort of have to stand there and take it, including our favourite Mornaval, who basically barely survived the encounter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm still processing the fact that you've actually just compared Mortarian to a wasp, and honestly, it's a very apt analogy. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. If it, Mortarian and or a wasp entered a room that I was in, I'd want to leave. Yeah. And I probably I'd would leave. I'd definitely leave. <laughs> I, I do have one question. Is the wasp still there? Is the room still theirs? No, I gave him an hour. Um... He used all my uh, hair product up, and then he left. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Well, so he's clearly just needed to look a little bit more fly. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, moving on from that terrible joke, uh, you know, we we all wish Mortarian was a little bit more like that wasp. You know, he just walks in, you know, cleans himself up a little bit because he clearly needs it and leaves before we actually experience him. Um, exactly but unfortunately for many of people in this book that is not what happens there as as i was saying before uh the phrase they were dropping like flies actually applies you know uh, yeah there were serfs literally just dying from mortarian walking into the room there were space marines gagging and choking um and abaddon made a really ugly face i believe <laughs> so, yeah um, what's the homophagia in, in a space marine is that the is that the what organ is that is that the the bile spitter what well, sorry the acid spitter one wait uh, i got i got production on it give me a minute because that it triggers that um little horse axeman's face turns green and uh kyber is basically spluttering in his mask so um you know Unless you've got a helmet on, and even then, I mean, I, I can't imagine it's that pleasant. Yeah, there were a couple of space marines with helmets on, vomiting in their own helmet. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, we got that. So Mortarian finally enters the room, and nobody enjoys it. <laughs> no, and again, we we're on Abaddon watch now. From now on, um, I've put us on Abaddon watch. You know, Abaddon is not impressed by Mortarian's new form. He sees it as a weakness that um, Mortarian has made this deal with the gods and sold himself over. Yeah. Oh, wasn't it... Wasn't Zardu Lyak there and didn't he pull his whole... Oh, but this is great kind of shtick on Abaddon. Yeah, his little powers of a warp spin doctor at work. Yeah. (laughs) Literally... I see this as an absolute wound. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, we got a stinky Mortarian walking in. I think he shuts up Angron, and then his legion makes landfall at last. Um, while Abaddon devises a plan to was it? No, no, it's Karn with uh, Lotara. They design they design a whole plan to entrap Angron because Angron's just going like, "Well, I don't care what you're saying. I'm going down, brother. <laughs> I'm yeah. going down to the surface." Um, oh yeah it's a big argument isn't it big discussing point who's going first yeah but the answer is neither of them the answer is neither of them uh it is in fact well no it it does end up kind of being one of them right Uh, very late on um but basically because of the 
they've yet to sort of weaken the emperor's um, uh, power. The Aegis is also the power of the emperor. I feel I, the Aegis is something different. So yeah. that is like the physical shield, but the emperor on the golden throne is also emitting an anti-demon shield. Yeah, a psychic shield. Uh, a psychic shield. So the demon primarchs, supposedly if they even step foot on terror, I think it's more if they go near the palace, will die. Yeah, um, they'll, they'll just disintegrate. <laughs> exactly. Like the me, like the gif that we love to use so much. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the emoji disintegrating. The traitor primarch <laughs> disintegrating after stepping too close to the Imperial Palace. Um, so, yes. Um, we do get the answer as to which legion will go first um, afterwards. But... Yeah. Um, we go back to Katsuhiro. He's just having the best time ever. Yeah, he's having um, a jolly old time. <laughs> yeah. Um, At least if he was Pyro from TF2. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, if he was absolutely delusional, I'm sure he'd be fine. Unfortunately, he seems to have really kept too much of his sanity compared to everyone else. Yeah. Um, you know, it. it's at this point he realizes that he is a dead. They're all dead men already. It's really grim, you know. They're to, they've got the. It rains and all their Geiger counters go off. <laughs> oh yeah, true. It, his teeth wobbled in his gums. His f- hair was falling out. We're all dead, Katsuhiro said, and no one to, to no one in particular. <laughs> and did uh, it matter to him? No, my boy kept shooting him. You know. Exactly. But... Um, all you want, but goddamn. <laughs> and he's made a friend. He made a friend in Runakan, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how long that will last. You know, like, like his friendship with Dora not past Nick. this episode. Definitely not I... past this episode. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I do like you know, guy really, really goes for it as as to try and get you into the mindset of how it would play out if you had completely normal humans in these mate these incredibly crazy scenarios you know and it's just like was this the book that had the leaflet drops as well yeah 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 at the start the gilliman is coming leaflets yeah even i felt a bit hopeful reading reading that part of the book and then i realized a few minutes later that it's just classic little bit of propaganda (laughs) um and that they have no idea um, if he's coming and and it happens as well it, it, you know a capital ship falls um towards the imperial palace um and and the shield takes it right uh, i think it's something like that yeah or like the the cannons actually manage to rip it apart and then the debris gets taken by the ages yeah something like that otherwise the entire world would be gone for, or, yeah. or at least that continent you crashed a capital ship into it at high speed um i mean the whole world is a continent you gotta remember that there ain't no oceans no more yeah that's true no, that is true um we also go back but going back to the um the clown car that is the uh traitor fleet <laughs> angrond completely loses it doesn't it we were just talking about he's denied the opportunity and, and then proceeds to just rampage through his own ship um, yeah, Karn, Karn, honestly, goddamn, bro. Once again, the man with the rhino in his chest. 
you know, just excels, I think. <laughs> oh God, I forgot about agree? that joke. We need to let that die. Um... <laughs> if if Karn didn't die with that, then I won't let it die either. <laughs> okay, understandable. Um, yeah, I mean, he he's like the he's barely keeping it. I think, I mean, even he succumbs in this chapter, um, screaming out he blood does. for the blood god. So essentially, oh god, I, I I do love that scene as well. It's just like Angron starts losing it, starts killing a bunch of space marines and stuff. Spares Karn because I I think honestly Karn is probably the only like person other than Lotara that Angron actually respects. So he kind of just starts ripping everyone apart, and Karn is like, "Yo, bro, like Angron's at it again. Just like seal all of these, like make a pathway." to the surf area and just let him go ham and then, <laughs> as he does that he goes like well shit might as well join him bro <laughs> blood for the blood god starts blood ripping blood space god. marines apart you know exactly and the um uh, sorry go on uh oh i was just gonna go on but if you want to no no sorry uh, after you after you i insist okay okay i was gonna move the story forward you want to make a comment well, I was just going to say that the, the space marines he finds are also well up for fighting back. Um, they've all oh, just yeah, completely, completely lost it. Yeah. Um, this is truly the fall of the world eaters now, and they are really a case of just sort of pointing towards the enemy and letting go. Um, the question is when, when, and where will they be sent? Um, if you, so, yeah, um, and how you know, Khan's also reaches out to the night lords right yeah yeah so karn gets a little bit of composure back and meets with Lotara saren and saren's like yeah like our crew is like down to five percent and we have no experienced or specialized personnel like you got to do something about this guy man he's he's killing my people i need some more and karn's like grunting and moaning and he goes like i think i have an idea and he contacts the worst character of this book, the bozo, the clown, the painted, the painted count. count, and guess what? The painted count now has, uh, oh, what's the name of the uh, ship? It's the he has the Night Lord's flagship. I think it's the Gloriana class, right? Yeah, um, we can. I'll find it for you. Productions on the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get get, get production on it. But but yeah, he, he he has that ship, and if you guys remember correctly. Uh, that's the ship that has the prison built by Perturabo for Vulcan, right? So it's a prison for Primarchs. And Karn is like, yeah, we kind of need to transfer these boys over to you. Like, not these boys, this boy over to you. Uh, how are we going to do it? We have no idea. Like, I guess we'll just jettison him into your thing. Uh, and the painted count is like, oh, but we're going to need something in return. I don't remember what he actually gets in return. I think it's literally just landing alongside the Death Guard, because that's a thing that happens as well, right? So well, they get to... So we'll go we'll come to uh, the circus in a bit uh, with the Chief Clown. But I think basically the deal is they get to assault the walls first. Oh, yeah, something like that. Which Karn does not have the authority to, to grant them, by the way. Karn... No, but I think that's just for traitors summed up, isn't it? Yeah. They're all just making underhanded deals with each other. It's like a, um, a, an orc hierarchy, but 
you know, for orders as well. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to find the name of that ship. Someone shouting at us through their phone or computer right now. Is is it pain? Let me me look it up. Nightfall. It's the Nightfall. The Nightfall. I knew it was going to be the Night Something. Yeah, it's always the Night Something. They're they're not very original um, with their ship names. Um, Yeah. So, sorry, where, where were we? Uh, the deal's been made. The deal's been made. Angron is currently... I, I don't remember whether he gets transferred somehow or whether he kind of just leaps into the void and lands on a... Oh, no, he gets teleported out. Right, so they manage to attach a beacon to him. Karn manages to attach a beacon to him. And he's like... He lo- loses contact with Saren, who has, the like, the trigger. So <laughs> imagine you have... You currently have a rampaging elephant in front of you, right? And you're about, like, I don't know, 10 years old. And your only hope of survival is this, like, radio, right? That you have someone else on call for, and the radio dies, right? When the elephant turns to you, right? That's more or less what happens here. And (laughs) you can see, like, Karn about to lose it and go at Angron as well. And then Lotharasaren's like, all right, bro, here we go. Teleports about, and now he's in Vulcan's. Uh, prison, about to rampage through some salamanders, I assume, because that's what's around. Um, um, and yeah, the deal's been made. Right? Yeah, I completely forgot about that as well. There are just loyalist marines and uh, loyalist prisoners also in there, just like in absolute misery for years. And then to chuck and then chuck on top of that, <laughs> they're like they hear a noise going down the corridor, and then it's Angron. Who's now a giant red raging? Di- you wouldn't even know it was Angron, would you? If you were I just mean, some salamander who hadn't been a, hadn't been outside since this fan five, you <laughs> see a giant red thing and then you disappear. Imagine these guys got captured without actually realizing that like the Horus Heresy was going on, and the, the, you just see like one dude like squinting his eyes, going like, "Yo, is that is that Angron, bro?" <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just sprinting at him, just lops him in half. Oh no. Yeah. Not like I think Angron keeps it quick though. I no, will say that. Yeah. Like if there was a traitor Primark I had to go out to. I mean it'd probably be Horus. I think Horus would be pretty clean and quick about it. But Angron as well. I mean Angron Angron's just going to clean up. Perturabo as well, I'd be fine with. Um, although that wouldn't happen. I'd probably beat Perturabo one-on-one. Uh, <laughs> Same thing with know. Lorgar. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no, Lorgar would give me to one of his weird Donnies, and I don't want to go there. No, but yeah, but like you'd probably be able to beat him one-on-one, let's be real. True. Like... Fulgrim and Mortarian, definitely the worst. Yeah. No chance. Um, what about you, brother? If you had to go down to a Traitor Primark, I who guess would it, it be? It would be either... It would be either Angron or maybe Magnus, because Magnus would just, like, do this. Like you. Oh, so you wouldn't even realize it happened with Magnus. Yeah. Though my soul would also be gone, which isn't a bad thing, considering what the warp is. I, I, yeah, I yeah. think Magnus might be the best one. Yeah, I, yeah that's true, actually. Yeah. Magnus with the old uh, Thanos snap. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gone? Absolutely. Oh, once again, we can use the emoji, bro. <laughs> the, the gift. That's true. That would, that would, you wouldn't even need that, though. I wouldn't even realize it happened. I wouldn't even be sad. Anyway. 
just to sort of chuck into a book in a little chapter, the Dark Mechanicum throw a load of giant sort of like asteroid-sized siege camps at the planet. <laughs> yep. Eight Not really too much more to say, really. Yeah, they're loving it. Big guns. <laughs> yeah, and they sort of, um, sort of, they just crash land everything, don't they? And then sort of go from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're it, arcs, it, aren't they? They're called arcs. Yeah, it's the arc mechanicas. So it's uh, it's the big ships, essentially. Um, and, like, the whole theory behind them doing that is like, oh, Doran is gonna have two choices. Either he doesn't do anything, and our guns rake him, or he kills us all, and then the demons can come in. And then Doran is like, well, I'm not gonna do anything. Which is a very Doran thing to do. And then... <laughs> and then you have the Khan going like, I'm gonna do something! <laughs> yeah. Um, do we uh, wanna... Well, well... Before then, you know, I'm, I'm right. just I'm just dragging you back. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you really want to talk about that, and I'll I'll Thank let you. you I'll let you carry that section of a book. But um, throughout this, Sanguinius has clashed with Dawn about what they should be doing. Dawn is like, "You're, I need you for your mind and your ability on the battlefield, and that's it." And Sanguinius is like, "Well, no, there's, you're not really taking into account the human spirit and." how important that is. It's all well and good putting, you know, sort of markers down on your map to say that there's people there. But if those people are miserable, spoiler alert, almost everyone here is miserable, and and they get to a point, as soon as they get attacked, they're just going to run away. And then your marker is, is worth nothing on the map. So he starts going out amongst the people, and lo and behold... He ends up uh, with Katsuhiro. Katsuhiro, um, exactly. They don't. He don't really fly anywhere anymore. He goes around with all his banner boys. He meets Ralderon, the the hero of the second half of this book, in my opinion, the yeah. top G, the Donny, <laughs> Mister Magnifico. Um, uh, you know, catch on with, you know, um, Ralderon, we touched on before uh, with his little bromance with Thane, and that was probably all the time of day we'd given him in part one. Yeah, uh, that's all that happened. <laughs> uh, and and, it, and it, it carries on because, you know, part of a wall get had been knocked down near Ralderon, and the Primarch's like, oh, it's already back up. And Ralderon's like, yeah, Thane's great. <laughs> bro, he had this Play Doh laying around, somehow he rebuilt the wall, bro. Yeah. Also, salamanders. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not generalize who did the hard work here. Yeah, There's also yeah, salamanders, yeah. And, and this is a sort of little mentions I really like. Um, we've talked about it a lot, sort of um, as hobbyists, and uh, you know, we talk about canon and, and law or whatever. But like, I've said it. I think I say it nearly every episode of the podcast as well. This, the siege is is so monumental. It's it's basically a continent, or let's say a subcontinent. Um, sized battle that uh, everyone knew was going to be happening for like a year and a half before it really happened. They all saw where Horus was going. So everyone's going to be going there from the loyalists and the traitors. And you're going to have little companies of ultramarines and you're going to have strike groups of Raven Guard that have survived. You're going to have a few salamanders littered around, you know. And whilst there are the big three, which 
ultimately are the best. No bias. No bias. This is a team effort. And the Salamanders are also great builders, it would seem, and they help Thane repair this wall. Um, And poor Ascalon. Now, Ascalon, we'll have to talk about him in a future episode, I think, at some point. But basically, he sort of exists in these books, and Sanguinius just says to him, oh, I don't die today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's just tortured by his father, going like, don't worry, child, I won't die today, as, like, the spells are falling everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it just seems like he's just covering his own own back. He's just sort of like, Lord, I know what you're going to do, but I just, I have to tell you, it's really dangerous out there in the giant death wall. Like, I, I get it. Like, you're not going to die today, but what about me, bro? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm already down an arm. I, like, you know, Kurz chopped my arm off while I was unconscious. So, I don't really know what's going to happen if I go down there. You know, you go ahead. But I just needed to do the risk assessment. I needed to do cover the self and safety with you. And you're not going to die today. So, go have fun. I do have to say, though, this violates multiple OSHA regulations. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This definitely is not Imperial Fist certified safe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and it, it goes, so Sanguinius then goes past the walls and down into the trenches with with none other than the unit of Katsuhiro. Um, and if you've seen Game of Thrones, we all know sort of that Daenerys scene where she... Uh, liberates, I think, uh, one of the cities and they all sort of put their hands, you know, this giant crowd of people all trying to put their hands on her because she's just this sort of deity to them. And Sanguinius is the exact same. Can you imagine if you've been sitting in uh, nuclear radioactive rainwater for a month and then this guy shows up? You're you're just going to think it's probably... You probably think it's the Emperor, right? Uh, I mean, I think a few people thought that at first. I think Katsuhiro actually goes like, oh, is that the Emperor? Oh, no way. Either way, if it was me and I saw I was in a radiated area and I saw a guy that literally shines slash glows, I'd probably be like a little bit wary, bro. <laughs> like, I'd probably what kind be of like, oh, are we talking just, about here? I'd just be like, yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm in the afterlife. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's sort of he walks for lines, um, and um, Katsuhiro. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. It's a it's a decent speech. He keeps it simple because let's face it, I think most of the people here have got like jelly brain at this point. <laughs> um, you know, not that not that anything to do with like how they are. It's just what they've been exposed to, right? Yeah. I wouldn't be able to. I, you know, he, might, he could just have just gone around giving a thumbs up to everyone, and that would have been enough. <laughs> they would have cheered. <laughs> just giving people gold stickers, like good job. <laughs> like a really badly drawn star, on <laughs> you just stamp it on. <laughs> yeah, that's what Ascalon's doing. Ascalon's drawing all the gold star stickers. <laughs> Sanguinius is giving them out to all the, the people, um, and yeah, and then we. Kazuhiro is pulled away, and we learn of um, the tunnels. Because we spoke about in part one that basically 
anyone who was like a reg already serving military veteran has become an officer in the imperial palace for the most part apart from like elite units and they've all been given a load of conscripts but at least the units outside the walls so what they've built is they've built these supply tunnels which are in fact basically for the officers for when the positions are overrun they'll run off because they're important and they have the military knowledge and the conscripts all die and then the officers run off down the tunnel that's not how I read it. I thought it was actually just like supply uh, tunnels. Well, I mean, only the only the officers knew about it. Uh, and... Yeah, because imagine. Okay, okay. Imagine a random conscript gets captured, and then all out of nowhere, he just spills the beans that there's tunnels under the walls. Hmm. I, I don't think that would be very good. Um, they only go to the bastions, though. Yeah. They don't go. Um... They don't go into the Imperial Palace, to my no, knowledge. I, I think they get up up to the walls at the very least, which, which would still be an advantage for the traders if they knew about it. Exactly. Although I'd like to see an Astarte get through these. <laughs> or a Beast Man, or... You just see, on like, from the wall, you just see, like, you know how in games, like, moles make, like, a tiny little yeah. uh, divot, and then it falls behind them, so you just see that, yeah. like, in large scale. <laughs> it's just like, that's clearly an Iron Warrior wading underground. Yeah. Like, I can see the top of his helmet. <laughs> I can it's see just... the pointy part, bro. He's like, brothers, we're concealed! <laughs> they have no idea we're coming! <laughs> it's just like, yeah, right there. Um... So, yeah, and there's a little bit of tension between uh, uh, Runakan and Doromek, right? Some questions are being asked of uh, uh, of both of them, and Runakan is sort of he's very skeptical, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he swears that he and the woman uh, are closer than they let on. He he swears he heard. Um, he heard her call Doromek by Ashel, which is crazy, bro. Like that would never happen, right? Like his name is Doromek. Clearly, he's a he's a loyal servant of the emperor. Yeah, uh, I can't even remember what happened in the opening of this book with those two characters. To be honest, but nothing happened. They only got introduced no. when Katsuhiro was like onboarding the train. You know. Do you know it's not until way too way later in the book that I actually made that connection? I felt really stupid. It <laughs> well, was like it was like after Dor- um, Runakan had been killed. I was like, ah, oh. oh, damn, huh. Well, I made the connection when you told me about. <laughs> yeah. Then, then well, I, I felt to... like I didn't want to. I, I I think that was more just stupidity on my part rather than a reveal of the book. I think like a normal person would easily just be like. Oh, well, in the chapter four, there was two Alpha Legion spies, a man and a woman, and they went down to a train. And now a load of people have got off the train, and there's a man and a woman. And No, like... I did not make that connection. I, I, I think I would have made the connection when Runikan goes like, oh yeah, the woman called him Ashul. I, I would Then I would have been like, wait a minute, I, I remember that name. And I would have gone back and been like, oh, it's that dude. Okay, well, my bad, then, for I, I perhaps underestimated you or... Uh, sorry, I overestimated you. <laughs> Damn. Uh, we'd already reached this... We already knew that I didn't make the connection until you pointed it out. Yeah, that's why I pointed it out, though, because I... Yeah. 
Damn. Okay, I'll keep everything to myself from now on. Um, no, no, uh, no, it's fine, it's fine, you can share. Um, so... There's a lot of just misery, isn't there, between all these soldiers. Um, they move through uh, the bunkers and people keep asking questions. Miz has... Um, is it a map? Yeah, I think they got a map. Though I don't think they know how to use it very well. <laughs> no. Um, they're not the best spies, I'll be honest. Um, and if we skip a little bit through all the conversations and the, the guessing, and um, Sanguinius is still outside the wall when the bombardment ceased. Um, uh, so, you know... They realise quite quickly what this means. The enemy is coming. Astartes, enemy Astartes are going to be upon them. Drop pods are going to be upon them. Um, and Azkalon is like, okay, the risk is the health and safety assessment is is we're we're in the red. <laughs> we need to get out. <laughs> the waffle yeah. house has closed. <laughs> um, and then. The line that probably got you absolutely going. We remain. My brother will need me, Sanguinius said, his voice still distant. Ascalon looked at Ralderon. What do you see, foresee, father? Ralderon asked quietly. A need for assistance. The white scars come. Tell, tell me you weren't going... You were probably bouncing in your chair. You were going absolutely nuts. Please say yes for the... For the for the episode, yes, yes. I mean, you were, weren't you? I mean, this. Do you know how many times I've had to remind people of one of the no spoiler rule on Discord to avoid you finding out about this? I had to do a lot of cleanup to make sure this uh, this wasn't spoiled in its entirety for you. I should have gotten um, into the. I think someone was just talking in general chat. He was like, "I really want to make a list about when the white scars ride off of the Helios Wall in Lost in the Damned," and I was like, "Dude." And then I think uh, I think one of the moderators came in and just gave a gentle reminder and removed the message. Um, I, I don't know if you did see it. I don't want to know, but I, here I, we I are. I did not see it. Excellent. Um, I mean, Jagatai Khan has got the whole squad on this one. It feels like, I mean, or at least a, a very large portion of his, his legion are absolutely going for it, right? Yeah. And from what I get, he like splits his legion into two. One's going with him, and a smaller portion is doing like a distraction attack on another citadel. I think I I took it as actually the legion had split, and they they attack nearly. They attack most of these new arcs in some way, um, to harass them and to find out the enemy strength. Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, that could that could definitely be what it what it was. Maybe I'm just too dumb to get it. <laughs> because I think, um... <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the wise guys they're all they're all in sort of land speeders uh, and jet bikes and and aircraft. They got gunships and Xiphons and I'm sure there were fire raptor gunships and storm eagle gunships. I mean, they're rolling heavy in a, in a very large very fast attack as they love to. I mean, it, it couldn't happen any other way. It um, 
and the Aegis is covering them at first, and Sanguinus has got a smile on his face as he watches Jagatai Khan race past on a jet bike, which, to be honest, Finnis book's inaccurate because I haven't seen Jagatai Khan on a jet bike as a model yet, so... <laughs> this couldn't have happened. <laughs> I don't know how this could have happened. Some say there are rules for it. Um, some say that his on-foot model, which is more accurate for the rest of this book, spends more time on foot than on his bike, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's more... Yeah, so... That'd be an awesome diorama someone could make. Um, but we'll get onto in a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, they clear the kilometers in in a few moments. Um, they break out from under the Aegis and start to um, start to take some casualties. Uh, and Sanguinius is completely blown away. Uh, Raldron is sort of like, wait, he's he's not been asked to do this. And yeah, this is a great line, isn't it? Do you want to say it? Do you remember it? No. About the metaphor that Sanguinius uses? Or would you like me to say it in a dramatic voice? Say it, say it in a dramatic voice, please. He is the Khan of the Ordu of the White Scars Legion, the Warhawk of Chagoris. One might as well attempt to chain the wind. Oh, I remember. Uh, now I remember it. All right, all right. A beautiful line. It is a beautiful line. Line. And then <laughs> you knew what was going to happen next is... Uh, you, we cut back to Rogel Dawn's command center, <laughs> <laughs> and there's like there's just some junior officer who's like ah, uh, um, sort of like notify notably gulps, <laughs> and says, "My lord, there's more. We have a large number of loyal light light gravitat craft departing the palace, sector fifteen and sixteen around the Helios Gate, and it's uh." Zoinks, Dorn, they've gone on the offensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Dorn, Dorn could have been, uh, you know, a bad brother, couldn't he? And just been like, leave him. I gave him an order. But when he realises that there's no there's no point trying to get him back, um, he knows this. He sends, uh, he he's he's going to make some exit corridors for the White Scars to come back because obviously they're going to be, you know, public enemy number one while they're outside of the Aegis, and um, he's he's setting up all the air cover, um, and he wants he wants everyone to he wants everyone to come back safely, you know. Yeah, he's a good brother. Uh, for sure. Uh, to while we're on this, right there there is like I think one of my favorite moments. In this, is, well, obviously, <laughs> the entire thing, but when the Khan is riding out in his jet bike, uh, he's like, there's a description of what's like going on in his head, and you know how Sanguinius was using like when he was flying around um, in like war zones and stuff, he used like his premonition to like dodge random shells and whatnot. Uh, yeah, in this case, it, like, they're, they're explaining, like, the Khan dodges shells as well, and he's like, yeah, he's not dodging shells because he can see into the future, it's because he's so aware of the battle situation that he essentially knows what's going to happen when. Like, so he, his reactions are, like, two seconds in advance, and he dodges random shells, he dodges random shots, um, until he eventually can't, because he does not have premonition, right? But it's still, like, hella impressive and very, 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 very cool. 
uh, to see, like, this whole, uh, like, just how otherworldly Primarchs are, I guess, you know? Like, where this guy can't see the ships above him, but he knows enough about their situation that he knows, oh, this ship is probably going to fire and it's going to hit, like, around here, and he dodges it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. He's um, he's just, he's got those reflexes. Yes, sir. Um, unfortunately, he's attacking a very well prepared position. The siege camps are well defended. This is it's like a worst nightmare for you, Varela. This is White Scars fighting Mechanicum. Yeah, well, Dark Mechanicum, so it's okay. <laughs> okay, oh, we draw the line. We draw the line. We... So, we draw Dark the Mechanicum. A traitor. traitor. Excellent, as it should be. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the. They do take a, a fair few casualties and he's able to get round and he he gets a good look at it, doesn't he? And he does a lot of damage. Yeah. However, um and he and he coordinates some artillery, but um he can't make it all the way, can he? It I forget what stops him exactly in the end. I think he gets like his jet bike gets shot like in the engine or something. Yeah, I'm just skipping ahead. Sorry, in the book, because we've got the um, we had that fighter pilot dying. That was only a few pages, but it was worth it was worth having, and I liked I liked showing just like, oh, here's this sort of brave fighter pilot with a lot of stuff to go home to that you'll probably root for, and she's gone. To be fair, she died to save the con, so you know a salute for me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyone anyone fighting Ontario gets a Guess a, a salute from me, you know, because they're all mm. under the command of Rogel Dawn, of course. Well, he was mm, okay. in charge. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was for Death Guard that cause all the problems, don't they? The drop pods land. There's just immediately stinky everywhere. All right, all right. Uh, and yeah, we get this really. It's oh, it's not pleasant. This description of them trying to get everyone trying to get gas masks. Do you remember? Uh yeah, like the, so. Uh yeah, it's it's crazy. A, a lot of them just have gas masks, even though they weren't issued it because people just died and they got them. And then you have a bunch of people that don't have gas masks, like fighting for gas masks or or trying to loot them off bodies that are just standing around. Oh man, it's kind of uh, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's really grim. I mean, this is what it. I'm sad this would just be the reality of this this war that is so crazy happening, just in like normal people getting caught up in it. But yeah, the Death Guard do be particularly stinky. Uh, I love the description of of drop pod assaults. I love I love the idea of drop pod assaults. They're, I mean, they're kind of cool on the tabletop, but also, um. If your opponent brings a bit of equipment called an auger scanner, they can do, you might not know it, but there's reactions in the game. So even if it's not your turn, you can react to stuff. So let's say uh, I shot at um, your jet bikes. Yeah. You could say, okay, I'm going to react. I'm going to return fire. And your jet bikes, even though they're dying and it's not your turn, will get to shoot back. Um and unfortunately, if you deep strike, anyone with an auger scanner it, and who has line of sight to where you landed, if they can, you know, 
if they're in range, one unit can uh, fire on you basically for free. So if you accidentally landed all of your cool Terminators next to a tw- like a 10-man plasma cannon squad, <laughs> they'll be like, oh, I've got an auger scanner. I'm going to shoot at you now. And those Terminators are just all landed dead. Same for a drop pod, you know. All your tacticals spill out of a drop pod. It's like, oh, my squad of 10 guys with miniguns has got an auger scanner. And it's like, oh, well, there goes that tactical squad. So drop pods are very cool in the books, but very uh, very not not cool in the game, in my opinion. I also like to think that the loyalists... I'd like to think that the loyalists had to use them, something that we don't really get uh, on Terra. Something we don't really get too much coverage of is um, sending, you know, you have all these space marines and you know, military units above Terra, and then the order after the whole phalanx shenanigan with Samus, it's like right, all the all the fleets are going to withdraw. Everyone go to Terra, and I like to think that there were some guys that are just like, well, we can't like fly down there in time or safely enough. So I hope I like to think there's just loyalists who drop pod assault, not assaulted, but just drop podded into big open fields in the Imperial Palace just so they could get down there. Yeah, um, I, th- I think we do get to see that, don't we? I thought that did happen in, in the first book. Uh, maybe. But that's how I would do it. I'd be like, I'm not risking flying down there in a slow-moving aircraft. I'm just going to put myself in a little bullet and <laughs> fire myself at the planet. Seems like a much more... Uh... I mean, even then, though, all these drop pods will be falling and they could just be a random spaceship shooting at another spaceship and it misses and you're just in the way. It's just... <laughs> you're gone. Um, but yeah, this this details hundreds of drop pods, um, even more gas, and you have this really cool scene of like these gas masked imperial like conscripts absolutely quaking in their boots, and then down the line sporadically you've got blood angels who can't even fit in the trench. Yeah, they're just like poking out. <laughs> My toes are well protected, brother. <laughs> Um, but yeah I I mean they they try their best but uh, the the Death Guard are upon them and and these uh, these guys they're not they're not the Death Guard that we know from Isfan 3 or even some of the other books you know these guys are fully gone aren't they yeah they're just kind of (laughs) They're the classic um, plague marines at this point, aren't they? Like guts hanging out, like rusted armor, just completely gone. It's not like Katsuhiro can see much, anyways, because the the gas is so thick uh, that he can only see like lights and muzzle flashes and stuff and silhouettes. Uh, we do get again. You keep hearing me say that Katsuhiro is a badass. Like, this scene is why Katsuhiro is a badass. Like, he sees all of these, like, uh, space marines coming up, right? And he holds his fire anyways and only shoots at, like, targets where his gun will actually have an effect, you know? While most uh, conscripts are probably just, you know, going full auto onto a space marine doing absolutely nothing. This guy's, like, picking off targets in the distance that he can actually take down and actually taking them down, bro. (laughs) Imagine your conscript just out of nowhere. They give you a last gun and you have like 
better uh, reactions, I guess, than actual trained soldiers. <laughs> like, yeah, man. I would say that. I would say personally, for me, that's because earlier in the book, he's already accepted he's a goner, and it's almost like he's like, well, I might as well be effective while I'm still around might until I'm take not. A few of them with me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think he even hits one in the eye. I want to say, or someone hits one in the eye, and it's basically just like a minor inconvenience for these guys. Uh, but sorry, go on. No, no, nothing. Go on. <laughs> um, I was going to move us on. So if you wanted to, no, let's move on. Let's move on. You want to move on because this is Jagatai Khan going sicko mode. Yes, that's course. what we've been waiting for, eh? Of course. Well, come always, on, bro. Talk. Yeah. Take me through this. I, I, so Sell Jagatai to me through this scene. The Khan after dodging all those bullets, somehow goes down in the middle of a sea of Death Guard, right? There's, like, a third of their legion there, let's say, for fantastical purposes. Uh, and he lands right in the middle of them. His jet bike, he throws it, knocks a few of them out, you know, off the bat. These guys, they're plague marines. They're not going down. He's cutting them up. Only way he's actually killing them is if he essentially beheads them, like zombies, I guess. This man... Goes through 10, 20, 30, 40 Marines, 40-something Marines before he gets even slightly hit by something. Now, as y'all know, Plague Marines kind of, you know, bad when they get hit. Like, if if I was to use an example, I would have to say Davin didn't go well for a certain person, you know? Uh, it wasn't really a Plague Marine, but same kind of deal. Uh, so the Khan immediately feels his strength, like, co- going out of him. And he tries to grab the, the dagger. He can't quite because it's slippery, it's rusty and stuff. Uh, so he keeps fighting with a dagger in his knee. <laughs> he keeps taking them down even though he is gravely ill and he feels it. He's like, oh, so this is what it feels like to be, like, diseased, right? Uh, and he keeps taking them down. Eventually, he gets slowed down. He gets a bunch of, of them on top of him. He's like, oh, like, this is the end and whatnot. Uh, I think he manages to, like, push them off one last time. Uh, and he's about to get overrun again when I think it's a Thunderhawk from from them. Uh, just comes up, showers them with rockets, and then gets taken out. And all out of nowhere, he sees this golden guy uh come up he manages to take the dagger out and now he's got sanguineous with him and now they're tearing through death guard together trying to get to um his lines again which again is a very nice scene where it's even described like oh sometimes he takes like 40 steps back but if he takes 40 steps back he makes sure to then take 41 steps forward so he's always moving towards the line uh even though he's following like the pattern of the battle um in order to not die, essentially. So yeah, I I like to imagine this scene like you know the Inquisitors from Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So like they got those rotating swords, but instead of a rotating sword, it's like just a one-bladed sword, and he's just like rotating in, in his hand, just tearing apart. Oh, like Obi Wan could, like you and McGregor could. You and McGregor uh, was able to do the spin quite well or he would like sort of spin it in his hand and then bring it up but he could oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Th- that kind of thing yeah yeah and he's just like tearing through these death guard 
and yeah, yeah. then he, he does eventually get saved. We get the we get the blade and carmine and the spear of Telesto again. Whoever's listening, you know, take take a swig. <laughs> I didn't know if um he actually referenced the blade and carmine. He doesn't, but he does reference the spear of Telesto. Yeah, so one one shot, guys, one shot. <laughs> just one. One shot. Just one shot. I know it's this is gonna be coming out on Monday morning, so just a one shot. <laughs> we won't, we won't referencing it, it again. Like you know, you can put the glass down after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's his own. I was just having a look. It's his own. His own boys come and save him because the white scars are not going to leave their, their car and of cans behind. So like one one white scar literally crowd surfs into the death guard off of his bike just to buy some time. Uh, is pretty quickly dispatched afterwards. Um. But just to keep get him off Jagatai, and Jagatai sort of he gets back up. Um, some of his some of the white scars make their way to him. Jagatai has a bodyguard, right? Uh, yeah, it's the Keshig. The Keshig. I don't Keshig. know where they are. Yeah. Well, Kinza's dead. <laughs> Kinza is yeah. The head of the Keshig's dead. Um, I think the other ones would do a bit of a better job though. Um, anyway. It's sort of before Sanguinius makes his way to him. He has another cool. Uh, there's another cool line where Jagatai says, "A rush into the jaws of death, snatched free to plunge therein again at will." He said, "I greet death with a smile on my face." Um, Inspirational. So, yeah, and then his model came out, and he looks like the most serious Donny in existence. <laughs> well, just like completely expressionless. Just, I think it'd be pretty cool if he was just cracking a grin that would be like if he was just laughing like his his model is literally him like with his hand in his belly like curved over oh, <laughs> alternate pose and like his head's rolled all like all the way back like he's barely laughing just like yeah. <laughs> hey man let's make it happen so shout out to katsuhiro and the gang they joined the blood angels they could have probably just been like i'm gonna sit this one out this probably isn't my league, but the Blood Angels are so inspiring. Sanguinis is so inspiring. They push forward. Um, they fight the Death Guard off. Uh, but they know that the Death Guard are going to rally. Um, they, they're ready to break for safety, but then the Khan's like, wait a minute. Hold up. we got to go get the photos. Um, have you seen Behind Enemy Lines by... Uh, with Owen Wilson. Uh, no. <laughs> have you not? I have no. It's an excellent film. It's based on a true story. I don't. I, I apologies if I get the countries mixed up. But it's basically the whole um, Serbia Kosovo, like the breakup of Yugoslavia conflict in the nineties. Okay. And um, it, this is really off topic, but it's just, just what reminds me of. And basically, Owen Wilson is an F eighteen. Uh, he's like the backseater in an F eighteen, um, and him and his pilot go up. And they go where they're not meant to because they're bad boys. And they find um, one of the sides, the, the sides that the Americans weren't on. I don't, again, I don't want to, um, I don't want to misquote or get, in, you know, upset anyone. upsetting, but basically, they sort of see people doing uh, things they shouldn't do, and they, the people on the ground, realize they've been spotted, and then the jet gets shot down behind enemy lines. Hence the name of the film. But Owen Wilson, like, he could have extracted a couple of times, but he keeps going on because he needs to go and find part of his ejector seat, which is on top of a mountain. So it's got it's got the photos of all the, the, the no-no things that were happening that they saw. 
and like because it, it, his pilot you know spoiler alert to the film his, his pilot's killed so he's like captured and killed um and he's like this is why they killed stackhouse and Jag- this is like uh there's like jagatice this is why they killed stackhouse moment because he's like he's like oh all, all the photos of everything of the siege camps all our information i've i've got it on my uh jet bike i've got it on my phone but i just forgot it <laughs> i left my phone in my bike um it's all selfies <laughs> yeah, it's with the information in the background yeah. it's as he was driving away he took a load of selfies <laughs> um, so even Sanguinius then is like guys the health and safety assessment is looking really bad you know, I know <laughs> I don't die today but I, 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 that insurance policy doesn't cover everyone else uh, so um, they keep going they they hurriedly get the cogitator from the jet bike and they leg it out of there. Um, but the Khan, he is poorly. Um, until he goes close to the palace. And luckily, yeah. Big, Big E looks after him, right? Yeah, we, we got a demon, demon disease going through the, you know, anathema doesn't end up for the demon disease. You know, it's not good for him. <laughs> no. He just feels it all like it feels like a little tingling sensation as all of it just away. His white um, blood cells got supercharged. <laughs> and and they just leave then, those two Primarchs, but unfortunately there's still quite like a lot of Death Guard there, and they just sort of leave them to it. Um so then all of a sudden Katsuhiro and a few blood angels that have gone out there have suddenly been caught out in the open with a load of Death Guard. Um They have to fall back. And when he gets back there, he finds Runakan dead. But Ooh. not how he expected him to find to be dead. How did you find him? Found him with a gunshot in his back and a surprised Whoa. look on his face. No way. Hmm. Something is amiss. Who could have done that? And then Doromek turns up, which is quite good because um, Katsuhiro needs someone with a good head on their shoulders right now. Because someone's just killed his friend who, who wasn't meant to. So I'm glad Doromek said to look after him. Yeah, Doromek could never have done something like that, clearly. It'll help him invest. Oh, wait, you thought Doromek might have done it? No. No, 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 no. Never. Never. Um, anyway, we, we're gonna, we've we been going for a while, so I'm gonna, we need to try and skip through a little bit. Um, so we jumped ahead. Luckily, we covered Scryvok and Khan making a deal. Scryvok, for those of you who might have forgotten, obviously has taken over the sort of Horus, Horus supporting Night Lords while the Legion has disintegrated due to a lack of Savitar, basically. Yeah. Um, the Senatorum Imperialis. Oh yeah, they have a meeting of the Council of Terror. That was actually quite interesting. I quite like that, and I suppose it was quite refreshing to have Dawn basically be like, "You need to let me do my job," <laughs> um, and everyone else is like, "Oh my god, there's traitors on the planet! How has this happened?" Bro, this isn't really a request. I'm a brilliant y'all. I'm just telling you. Yeah, I'm gonna do my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This isn't a discussion. I'm giving you an update, like <laughs> out of courtesy. I think yeah. he actually says that. <laughs> exactly. Um, da, 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 da. 
So it's like they're worried that the auto reductor is setting up on a to um, fire on the walls. And um, they're sort of, uh, let them diver, one says. Let them diver. Every moment they waste building their weapons is more time for Lord Gilliman to make his way to terror and to our rescue. Is that, is that not the case, Lord Dawn? And then he's like, nope. It's because they're trying to summon unworldly beings. <laughs> Do I know what those are? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't ask me about them. Ask Malkador. Um, right here. <laughs> Tell him, Malkador. <laughs> exactly. Tell him, uncle. And then uh, they're sort of like, wait, the demons can come in here? And they're like, well, we're not really sure. We'll find out in a few months. Just sit tight. <laughs> You'll figure it out. <laughs> Um, and they they reveal that Jagatai spotted that they are building siege towers. The enemy are building siege towers at siege camp. We're going old school. We're running it back, aren't we? Yeah, uh, although the, these siege towers have uh, void shields. <laughs> yeah, because it's Warhammer, so why not put giant spaceship shields on your uh, towers? <laughs> on your medieval siege weapons. I love this. I love this universe. It's so quirky. Um, and there's sort of several million troops have already been set up around the walls. You know, just few, just through weight of mass, basically, which is something that I don't think you'd ever be able to get into a book or really a film. It's, it's, it's as we always say, the Star Wars Episode Nine, isn't it? All those ships <laughs> that just fill up the screen. That is basically what terror looks like in the sky, except all those ships are crashing into each other, vying for uh, for the right to land. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, and, and they sort of say, well, look, we're still holding out outside of the, of the palace, but everyone out there now is basically we're sacrificing them at the bastions, which is sort of, the bastions are sort of considered like the focal points of all these trench lines, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're like where there's a bunch of supply, there's actual barracks and stuff, uh, and they have Sweaty. guns, they have big guns. They have a lot of guns, uh, yeah. Uh, they used to be like little model bastions that you could make. Um, Wait, really? Not, yeah, but they these were little sort of towers, and they had like four heavy bolters, one oh. on each side. I think these bastions in this book are probably quite a bit bigger. No, yeah, they got macro cannons, I think. Yeah. Um... This meeting, it does go on for quite a while, I think. I, I did find it like really informative and engaging and sort of the bureaucracy of the Imperium starting to show in again. I've been talking about it a lot, haven't I, Brella? The 40k coming in through 30k. Yeah. You know, Space Marines having to explain all their actions to a bunch of humans that know nothing. Yeah, pretty much. It's the beginning of the Lex Imperialis. Exactly. <laughs> the first page. Um... Rogel Dawn links back up with with uh, Khan and Sanguinius. He's not really best pleased. Um, like he's like, why are you together on the same section of wall? And they're just sort of like, to be honest, crazy thing. We just ran into each other there. <laughs> um, so um, it's such a tiny world, bro. <laughs> then this happens. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna. I've, I'm not. I don't think I'm wrong on this, brother, and I am going to spoil it because it's a weird one. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. It, it's kind of like how 
we'll see it in Saturnine, but we'll see a retcon in real time, but this is a different one. So that Jagatai Khan's like, I'm going to go leave the palace. Um, do you remember that part of the book? Yeah. He's he, like, let me go. I'm yeah, going to leave. He's like, oh, if I, if I leave, he talks to Malcolm, no, to Sanguinius actually, and he goes like, okay, so if I don't leave, a bunch of people are going to die, right? Yeah. But if I do leave, I'm going to save a bunch of them. And Sanguinius is like, yeah. Am I going to be able to come back? Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. To my knowledge, never mentioned again after this book. Jagatai Khan just continues to be inside the palace for the rest of the book series. It's because he's just that fast, bro. He's already done it all. Yeah. Literally no reference to him doing it, though. Yeah, because everybody went um, like, ah, we might as well not mention it. It was so quick. He saved so many lives. He was so cool doing it. Like, let's just yeah. leave it like that. I'm glad someone's willing to do the mental gymnastics to justify uh, that, that, writing that into the book and then just completely forgetting it. But it's to my knowledge, in the next, we'll have to see in the next book if there's evidence of him ever leaving. But I, I don't remember ever reading again. I was like going into the next book expecting all the white scars to be gone, for it to be this massive issue in the siege. I was quite interested, to be honest. I was like, this is a really dumb move from the Khan. Because I'm a, of course, you're a Khan fan, I'm a Rogal Dawn fan, if we're going to think alike as uh, as our Primarchs. But uh, yeah, they would just they would just continue to be there. Okay, wait, wait. I, I do think there's like a slight mention of it. Cause there, so I'm already reading, first of all, a little bit of it. And there's a... a a little chapter, like a little passage where they reference like the walls and what's on the walls, and they only say red and yellow. They don't mention any white scars. Okay, fair enough. But I'm I'm trying to think it's certainly I certainly never read it's certainly not covered. It's certainly not there's no POVs of the white scars out there saving lives. Oh no, yeah, there's <laughs> there's none of there's that. There's nothing there's you know, something that would be quite interesting, you know because I'm sure you'd have all these like traitor armored columns driving across the deserts and you'd be like Mad Max, wouldn't it? You have like the white scars attacking him on jet bike. It'd be really cool. There's I was like, yeah, I, just... I'd like to see that. And he's like, nope, you're never going to get that. There's just an Emperor's Children like convoy with like the dude with the guitar from Mad Max and stuff. And then all of nowhere, they just start hearing F1 race noises, right? And then just like a bunch of bombs just drop on him. Yeah. It's like in Game of Thrones. Really, sorry, I, I know I always use Game of Thrones. There's not a, a lot of analogies there, but basically there is a very similar situation. Basically, you could easily replace all the characters in and, and the sound effect. And it's like there's sort of the main human baddie army uh, is like strung out in this long supply chain. And um, they're having all this dialogue and a little bit of exposition about what's going on. But what you don't realise until one of their characters points it out is there's the ground vibrating, there's these really slight tremors, and then basically they get hit by this massive ungodly cavalry attack. Um, but just replace that with F1 car noises. And <laughs> yeah, it got exactly what you described. It's like, wait, do you hear that? <laughs> you look over, look over the hill, and it's just... Also, in, the BB- in Britain... The intro on the BBC for the Formula One always had the song, um, the 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 rhythm and the tune of um, Fleetwood Max for the chain, you know that song. Uh, I, I probably do. You'd hear it if you knew it. I feel like. Yeah. So that's also incorporated in my head when everyone anyone ever says F one F one noises. So now I'm just thinking about the white scars doing massive 
jet bike charges while Fleetwood Mac plays. And I'm, I'm, I'm you know what? I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's a good song. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, we have all sorts. We go back to the circus. Um, Peter Arbo's moaning about something to Horus, honestly. Um, honestly, who cares about that guy? <laughs> yeah, Peter Arbo's basically like everyone's being really mean and they're all a bit crazy. This isn't really what I'm, I'm fine for. But basically, um, it's sort of Horus is playing Peter Arbo here and saying, oh, you know, um, he, he's basically just giving him all the praise that um, that Peter Arbo is desperately seeking, which is why he's basically turned traitor in the first place. Um, and he's basically like, oh, you know. You, you came up with everything pretty. God, you're so great. Can you go set up a full cordon around the palace and take charge? Because you're the only competent one left. I'm the only one. I, you're the only one I trust. <laughs> exactly. Um, gosh, this book, it, it, it just keeps going and going um, with cool <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, then you have, we need, we're back on to Ralderon now. Uh, so uh, I'm going to start paying attention again um, so I don't really know how the Blood Angels are set up but Ralderon in the first chapter even though in sort of all the Horus Heresy Black books it says they're split up into companies rather than chapters but we live and we learn um, Ralderon he's, he's pacing around he's basically waiting for something to happen it, it, the macro cannons on his walls are firing constantly at the fleet. Um, and I think, um, yeah, this is where the dude surfing skulls comes in. It is in this book. It's Zardu Lyak. Oh, okay. I um, remember that. So a giant face of Zardu Lyak comes in to picture over the palace. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. He starts spouting propaganda essentially like, Oh, you can, you can join our side still and you'll live. We'll treat you well. Yeah. Um, Ralderon and Thane are naturally disgusted. Yep. Um, but basically, Zardu like it's almost like a big like uh, speaker system and like a big screen because Zardu like is there and he's flying around the palace on a load of skulls. Is is how I remember it. Um, I don't remember the skull part. I don't remember he is like in the clouds flying about. Yeah. Um. An island made of bone. So I mean, skulls are skulls are bone. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Let's just say skulls. I mean, Warhammer does love skulls, so yeah. you got to assume that that's what most of them are. Anyway, Lyak spouts a load of stuff about how they're all wrong, and Ralderon is like, "Shut up." Um, and I think, um, yeah, all of. Um, Lyak's thrall priests do really gross stuff to themselves. As per usual. Yeah, we don't. Want, we need to talk about that. We yeah. keep it keep it family friendly. Um, <laughs> and then everything rains blood. Um, so maybe not as family friendly as you thought. Um, radioactive blood. Radioactive blood. And Katsuhiro is like, oh my god, please <laughs> leave me alone. I don't think he even he's not even in this part of the book. But you know what he's thinking. He's he's probably not really thinking anymore. 
Um, and then Fane and Ralderon. Their bromance hits new heights. Um, they uh, they cr- they cl- they uh, clasp each other's forearms. Like it's just like the Predator movie, but with forearms because Space Marines aren't vain enough to need to show off their biceps because the the thing is they're all wham. So it, like this is gonna be like wow I'm wham I've got a big bicep and it's like so what we all do. Um, so they clasp forearms, which is cool, which is much more professional. Um, and. And then, um, basically, um, Ralderon's like, I am not going to let that dude come in here thinking he's some sort of MC <laughs> and get away with it. And all of, he gets all of his dudes and all of Fane's dude take a, take a really badass uh, oath together um, that basically... They're not. They're not going to do. They're not going to let any of this sorcery stuff get to them. They're going to hold to the last man. Um, and then we get Dawn with an awesomely cold line. The time for speeches is done. The first great test is here. My order to you all is simple. Yet heed it well, and exert yourselves to see it done. They are coming. Kill them all. Yeah, baby. That is a cold line. I, that is a line I actually remembered, like by hand, by like just memory. Yeah, I was reading the Rogel Dawn Primark book the other day. Yeah, um, it's really dry. It's a really dry book, unfortunately. Not like the paper, obviously. Don't want wet paper. Um, but the words on them, this is really dry. And he used the word payback. He was like, "We need to give them some payback," and I was like. Siege Dawn would never say that. <laughs> He'd say like retribution or something, wouldn't he? He's like kill them all. <laughs> yeah, if he's going to say something really shorthanded, it's going to be something like kill them all. And there's another great one coming up in the series later on. Don't you worry. Um, oh, but uh, we'll spend at least half an hour talking about. Um, but but yeah, I was like payback. Really? This is this is not this is not Horace Heresy. This is not the level of Horace Heresy dialogue. I. Uh, I'm used to. Torrent, um, but it's actually the nerd emoji. <laughs> exactly. Time for some payback, guys. It's time for some payback. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're really good at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, Scryvok uh, shoots Angron. Well, he doesn't shoot Angron. Scryvok opens the door. Um, and Angron... Flies down towards Terra. He jumps out. He just jumps out. He's flying he, down. He, he doesn't care. He's a master chief. <laughs> well, what, atmos- what is atmosphere? Does Terra have atmosphere? Uh, yeah. I know, but like, is it really thin now? Because I mean, no, 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 no. It's not. Not it's to just... get like, you know, I mean, it's not political. Climate change is real, and the atmosphere is getting thinner. So I was just wondering, in like ten thousand years' time, it's just toxic. This is really bad. Yeah. Okay. It's really bad for your life. Did they patch up the hole there. that we have? Uh, the ozone layer? Yeah. That's already patched up, like, in real life. Oh. Yeah. Like, it's, hey, that a, was tiny, it's a tiny little thing now. What What country did that? Uh, all of them? <laughs> no, but who, who sent the people up there with the oh. sewing needle? Uh, it was me. It was me. It was you did it? Me. Yeah. You kept that quiet? Yeah. yeah. I, 
That's why our release schedule's been so busted. <laughs> so, you know how in Battlefield they fix everything with blowtorches? That's what I did. I just went and blowtorch. set the ozone layer on fire. No, 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 no. I patched can't, have a, can't have a hole if it's all gone. <laughs> so true. I went up with some, some aerosols. I'm going to yeah. finish the challenge. <laughs> yeah. Legal reasons, please do not make deliberate attempts to damage the ozone layer. Yeah, yeah, um, that would not be good. <laughs> Um, so, um, yeah, then we have a Night Lord who's getting the dogs out for free. For free? For free? Um, yeah, I mean, we could talk a lot about this guy now, the Night Lords are changing, but the, the long and short of it is 30k is becoming 40k, the Chaos Space Marines, even though they're not, like, necessarily completely throwing themselves at the powers of warp, the Night Lords aren't necessarily those type of people, right? They're really scary and they really thrive off fear, but they're not. It's just purely through um, exposure, right? That they're developing these changes. Well, yeah, I, I don't think, like even in 40K, most of the Night Lords are still just regular Marines. It's just that they're really sadistic. Mm. I don't know, man. If this is what his foot looks like now... <laughs> Can't imagine oh, because that's the raptors. Oh, right, right. So the, the raptors. raptors. No, yeah, the raptors are all like that because they, they all become birds essentially. <laughs> Why? Because they're because they're called the raptors and they fly around. I uh, guess. I don't know. <laughs> damn. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna start. We we need to change our podcast name if if the warp ever gets revealed. We um we need to rename our podcast to the handsome and talented people. Oh, yeah, and yeah. then manifests and we just become finally some talent because God <laughs> help us, eh? Um, How are you guys still watching, bro? <laughs> no, you guys you guys know you love it, really. Um, Damn. The, uh... Yep, yeah, so these raptors launch themselves at the wall. Uh, this is actually a really badass scene. Um, I The guy's name, the raptor's name, like Lycrophus? Lucrophus? Oh, something like that. Lucrophus? Wait, wasn't it like Chaos? Well, it's L-U-C-O-R-Y-P-H-U-S. I have no idea what you just said to me. Let's just say Lucius. No, Lucy. Uh, Let's call him Lucy. So Luco. Yeah, Luco works Lu- too. Luco. Um, he, he hits an Imperial Fist so hard... Just like landing, that it kills him. Yeah, it like breaks his uh, chest plate, doesn't it? Yeah, and sends him flying over the wall. But it also like spins him out. Um, the Imperial Fists were running at him, Bolt was barking. I would never do that. If I was playing on the tabletop, I would just stand still and shoot at you because you're, you're like, your whole thing is you want to hit me with a chainsaw. Like, why would I, why would I come close to you? Because you have bayonets now, bro. I do have bayonets. Well, one of my squads have bayonets, so they're okay. It just means you can... Um, you get plus one to one of your stats, so you hit a little bit harder. But then... And then one of... The chain bayonets are the good ones, because they do that. But then you can re-roll your wound rolls. Okay, okay. But I don't think chain bayonets... Are, I don't think any bayonets are mentioned here. Um... I'm trying to remember if this guy dies. 
I, I have no clue, bro. No. But he basically say, uh, he cries in Nostraman, we are first on the wall, which is true. Um, they are on the wall. And Scryvok is coming. Um, let's, um, let's break it down a little bit then. Let's focus on the Blood Angels versus the Night Lords trying to take out um, the Helios section of the wall. We need to um, hurry up, by the way. This is the longest episode already. Oh, it's a good book, isn't it, mate? That's oh, yeah. just how it goes, isn't it? Get, get ready, man. It's going to be like this for a long time. Oh, no. Um, the Night Lords land en masse on the Helios walls. Scryvok himself is coming. And we get this sort of showdown where um, the Night Lords form a sort of fight their way off. And then they know that they're going to head towards, uh, is it a gate or like a command post? It's a gate, isn't it? It's for gate yeah. controls. Yeah, yeah, it's like the tower at the gate, I think. Yeah. And we get this, we get these, um, uh, we get like two shield, we get like a shield wall fight, right? We get the blood angels have shields, and they're, but they're not quite the, 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 uh, the night lords have got a shield wall, but the night lords are more tenacious and they're just pushing the blood angels back and the blood angels can't on the towers, can't get easy shots off. They're trying to pick off the night lords, but then the night lords are firing back and then, just when they get pushed right back to the gate, what does Ralderon unleash, Varela? I do not know. <laughs> oh, the doesn't don't the Imperial Fist come out of nowhere like the stain and stuff? Can the Imperial Fist help? There's two big dudes yeah. who really should be dead, but now they've been but, put oh, in something. No, dreadnoughts, like... right? Yeah, that was There's an awesome three moment. Of them, actually, three of them, three of them. That's yeah. right, because I remember messaging saying. I wouldn't play against this list on the tabletop because three dreadnoughts, that's uh, ridiculous. <laughs> it's a cheesy list, and I don't want to play against someone like that. So basically, Ralderon, bad sport. Um, those of you who play tabletop know, your lawheads are probably just like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> What's he waffling? Uh, um, uh, but basically, yeah, three dreadnoughts come bursting out. We've timed it to perfection. An absolute melee ensues. Scryvok is now amongst the fight. With his bodyguards, the Atramentar? Yeah. Atramentar. Yeah. The Atramentar, he sends them off. He's like, I don't want to deal with that dreadnought. Go go fight that dreadnought. And so what? they go off to, to fight the dreadnought. Sorry? He goes, like, kill it. And then he goes, kill it. Yeah, as he does that, he spots Ralderon. Ralderon. Now, Scryvok's a bit of a fanboy. He's a bit of like, he knows who Ralderon is. And now the whole thing with Scryvok, if you cast your mind all the way back to Pharos and the uh, ineptitude of Alexis Pollux. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm still on it. But, you're you're um, insulting a lot of people <laughs> right now. Uh, I'm yeah, don't hate me because I speak the truth. Pollux, Pollux let us all down on Pharos. We all know it. If you like Dantioch, he's gone because of Pollux. Anyway, Scryvok got a demon sword, right? And it's basically led to him becoming way too overconfident in his abilities. He's obviously been able to take control of the Night Lords and backstab his way through the ranks because he's got a demon sword. Now, Ralderon, he sees Ralderon and he thinks, wow, what a prize this would be. I know Ralderon, he's respected. He's a very talented swordsman and an excellent first captain. Um, now... Um, What happens next, Varela? 
uh, he goes to confront Raldron, even calls him out by name and goes like, I know who you are, kind of thing. And Raldron goes like, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> exactly. There's some of the best, some of the best one-liners in the heresy, I think, in, uh, uh, in this moment, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my god. This fight, to be fair, if it wasn't for the Khan, this would probably be the, my favorite, um, part of the book, honestly. I think I think it's everyone's. I think this is like this is what makes this book so good, and this is what, in my opinion, the siege is all about. Right, two named characters who have had proper stories through the heresy, coming face to face and throwing down, and one being an absolute bozo. <laughs> <laughs> one of them actually having the clown nose on. Exactly, he's like Ralderon, v Ralderon, uh, and as you say, Ralderon is like. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know who you are, but there's so many good lines. Uh, would you allow me to read some of Ralderon's lines? Yes, I know go, go on, this go episode, we, we've our release schedule's been a little bit off for Ella, so I feel like we can indulge people a little bit, can't we, with these with this longer episode, especially celebrating Ralderon's favorite moment. Longer is an understatement, but yes. <laughs> um, that was always a problem with your legion, Night Lord. You are quick with your torturers' knives. But so few of you are worthy warriors. That's what happens when he starts beating him because the demon had deserted him. Um, the Atramentar basically refused to help him. Uh, he starts panicking and Ralderon says, listen to you, the masters of fear. You are cowards like all cruel men. Um, he gets And then he gets his first wound in on the count. Um, you, you are and always were an evil legion. You took the Emperor's mission and twisted it. Selfish, monstrous, tormentors of the weak. If Horus had not turned, I would have gladly led the hunt for your kind myself. I thank you from my heart that you came to my sword and saved me the trouble of looking. Wait! I give you my surrender! You beat me! I am your prisoner! There can be no prisoners in this war. How much mercy have you shown to all those that you harmed? I have as much mercy for you as you had for them. Now get off my wall. And then he pushes him and kicks him. He kicks him off. He kicks him off the wall. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I forget, actually. Scryvok goes, you're a pompous man. Raldron goes to shoot him, and then Scryvok throws himself off the wall. I completely forgot that. Oh, wait, does he just throw himself off the wall? Yeah, he's about to get... Raldrock's about to shoot him in the face. And so he just sort of goes, ah! And then throws himself off the wall. Yeah. And then proceeds... We just hear, like, clown music getting further away. (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, they leg it from there. Um, uh, Raldron is sort of lost in... uh, in the midst of, of battle at the moment, and then Angron turns up just to top it all off. Angron turns up, but he can't get in, can he? He smashes through the trench line, but he can't get on the wall. Yep, there's a there's an invisible wall. The devs forgot to take it out. And um, uh, Raldron then has to fight Wildy is because Wildy is attacked the wall. Um, he manages to just about see uh, see them off. Um, Fane is on the towers, basically laying down the Overwatch. Um, they force him off the wall because of the, the Wildeaters are firing dread claws. I don't know if you've ever seen those. 
They're uh, they're like drop pods with big claws on the bottom that latch onto things, so they can like latch onto the wall oh, okay. um, and not get forced off. And Sanguinius and Angron showdown, and we think, oh my god, this book cannot get any better. It's impossible, and we are left with a tease, aren't we? Yeah. That's pretty much... Oh, we do have to say Katsuhiro ran away and managed to survive. He's now inside the wall. Yeah, and how does that How does that even happen, though? Uh, so Dorn, in, in his infinite wisdom, goes like, all right, boys, you got five minutes to get out. You, you know, you fought well. If you manage to get out, then, you know, we'll, you'll keep fighting. You'll live another day. Opens the gates, and it's just a complete sprint. Um... As all of this is happening, I think, so Angron's about to catch up to Katsuhiru uh, and about to, you know, rip and tear as he does. And something stops him. I think, like, he gets hit with, like, a big round or something. Yeah, because the Titans are deployed, don't we? We have a, we have um, oh, yeah. a Sally 4 from one of the Legions. I forget which one. Wasn't it actually uh, Eshi Mohanavai? Yeah, so are they Solaria? Yeah, Solaria, and Solaria. Solaria. And yeah, yeah he, he gets hit with a Titan round then, and kind of just stumbles a little bit, but shrugs it off. Uh, Katsuhiro manages to make it in just in time. As does Doromek. We forgot to say there was a confrontation between those three. It was in fact Doromek and uh, his friend, who were the spies. No way. And they were trying to do damage, but Katsuhiro nearly puts a, puts a stop to part of it. Um. But Doromek sneaks into the Imperial Palace, and that's one of the last things Katsuhiro sees. Just thought I'd chuck that in there. But do you want to let us know what happens between Sanguinius and Angron? I <laughs> I would love to. Do I remember? No. You read I the book, bud? I did read the book. My my memory do be like that sometimes. I, I wipe parts of my memory out <laughs> so I can fit new information. <laughs> I'll close it off. Basically, Angron can't face Sanguinius because the Emperor is still protecting the palace. Sanguinius basically says, I'm not going to fight you, but not today. I will fight you, but not today. Oh, Angron yeah. gets very upset about this and um, because he doesn't try and go over the wall. He just goes and stalks for trenches to look for people to smash and bonk on the head. Um, and Gendor, Gen, pardon me, Gendor Scryvok is taken into the Immaterium to be a demon for the foreseeable future. Yep, he's going to get tortured gonna... by a demon. Yeah, because he couldn't even die properly. Yep. So he survived that wall. And so, yeah, we, we, we end off the book with the traitors now fully surrounding the palace, not quite through the walls just yet. Um, they'll probably have to attack um, the first wall that they come to, so I'm interested to see what the next book's called. Uh, come on. you got to give me that one. That was a good joke. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Don't worry, I'll put a laugh track in. Um, and, yeah, so that closes off Lost in the Damned. Varela, anything you want to add? Yes, sir. As per usual, thank you to all our patrons. Well, we're really sorry. We're, we're, I, I meant like with the book. You're no. you're done. Are you clocking out? Okay. I'm done. I'm clocking out, bro. Okay. I, I'm legitimately like, I don't. 
it probably sounds like it as well. I, I am I am tired, bro. This this cupboard isn't big enough for one of them. <laughs> okay. It is. All not. right, we'll close it out, Varela. All right, all right. Well, again, thank you to all our patrons. Uh, your support is much appreciated, uh, especially, but obviously not exclusively, Sal's, who is our primary tier patron right now. Uh, we appreciate you, and you help us make all of this true. And I think... Singh has something to say as well. Well, no, I I mean, uh, I really enjoyed this book. I think Varela did as well before he passes out. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this extra bumper uh, Horace Hour in 45 minutes. Um, Looking forward to getting into the first wall a little bit faster than we got into this one. So it is goodbye from me and from Varela. I'll see you. Bye now.